Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard, and I am here tonight with my wife, Elizabeth Richard. And tonight we're going to talk to you about joy. We're continuing our Kingdom Leadership series, and tonight we're tackling the subject of joy, why it's important for leaders to have joy, but not just for leaders, for believers. It's a crucial element for believers to have joy. And uh, maybe you guys are familiar with the song. You probably are familiar with the song. We all sing it as a, as kids in church. Uh, I went to French church, so I didn't get to sing it, but my wife uh, went to English church and she sang it. The song called Down in My Heart. Uh, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You know that song, right? And the, the last part of the song finishes like this. So this is by no means an endorsement of The Simpsons. I just wanted to share that short clip because it's it, the, the little kid in the in the clip sings the song and the last part of the song where he says that if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. And I looked it up <laughs> because I was like, is this really what it says? And indeed, it is what it says. And guess what? The devil indeed is sitting on a tack right now because he doesn't like us having joy. Okay. He does everything in his power to steal the joy of believers because he knows that if he can get that one thing, he's got them. It's game over. So there's a story I wanted to share with you guys. It's a well-known story. It's been circulating in churches quite a bit. Maybe you've heard it. I hope not. But anyway, so there's this old story about the devil who was retiring from his work. Now, he wanted to get rid of all of his tools. So he had a garage sale and he displayed all of his tools with price tags. There were all kinds of tools like malice, hatred, jealousy, mm -hmm. deceit, bitterness, pride, betrayal, adultery, cruelty, ungratefulness, and many, many more. So all of the tools had their own price tag. Some were more expensive than others, depending on their usefulness. But one of the tools was set apart on a different table, and it had an incredible price tag. It was more expensive than all the other tools combined. So when the devil was asked why this particular tool was the most expensive, he said, because this is my sharpest and the most useful tool. It is called depression. With depression, I can do anything. I want, I can do anything I want with anybody, regardless of their education, their religion, their wealth, or their fame. Depression always works and has never failed me. Well, that goes to say, right? I mean, if the devil can get us depressed, if he can steal our joy, he has won a great battle. And, and sometimes I can tell you this from experience, it can lead to suicide even among believers. 
And I don't want to talk about this tonight because we're talking about joy, right? And joy is listed in Galatians as uh, one of the fruit of the Spirit. So it's extremely important. Uh, C.S. Lewis said of joy, he said, um, joy is the serious business of the kingdom of heaven. I like that. So tonight we're going to look at four great leaders in the Bible and what they had to say about joy. Liz, anything you want to add before we get started with these uh, four leaders and what they had to say about joy? Well, uh, I definitely can identify to that story. And I've seen many times how um, the devil has tried in our own family yeah. to rob us of our joy. Yeah. Um, you know, many times we're happy about a certain thing. We're all rejoicing. And then, you know, something happens. And, and, and you know, at first we kind of, you know, don't really notice these things. We kind of think it's just life, right? And then you start noticing that, no, you know, these things happen qu coincidentally, like right before broadcast or, you know, right when you're supposed to go, go do an interview or something important that you're doing for the Lord. Yeah. And so then you start, you know, putting the pieces together and realizing that the devil's wanting to rob your joy, wanting to kind of mess up your mind. Um, you know, maybe, um, you know, you're you're confident about a certain thing and you're all excited. And, you know, maybe the Lord's done something really great for you and you're happy to tell everybody. And then, you know, you get to the dinner party or whatever, the family event, and then something happens mm. that Oh, all of a sudden you can't present your your joyous situation, right? We've all been in those accounts where you can definitely, if you take the time to, to see it, you'll see how the devil really does try to steal our joy. So oftentimes, you know, we we look at each other and sometimes we'll go like, okay, breathe, breathe in, breathe out and go, okay, you know, we understand what this is. We and know what's going on. And we're like, we're not going to let, you know, the, the enemy win and we're just going to keep on going and we're going to focus on what's right, what's positive, what the Lord is doing and not, you know, and just ignore the situation. And, and oftentimes we get through it. And so we just have to be aware, right? Yeah. We're aware of it. Yeah. And also we're talking, we're doing a leadership series, kingdom leadership series. I believe that leadership cannot possibly be efficient without joy. Mm -hmm. uh, all the best leaders that I've ever met in my life were joyful people. Uh, nobody wants to follow a lead balloon, a depressed person, someone who is just down in the dumps or yeah. uh, uh, just not. It just doesn't inspire us. And, and it's funny because I have these books here called Holy Humor and Holy Hilarity in which uh, it's it's like hundreds of jokes, clean jokes for church and all that, and, and for sermons. And one of uh, on one of the pages, they put a picture of a smiling Jesus, but a huge grin. But but it's a well made painting. It's not uh, it's not one of those cheesy pictures. It's really like a, an artist who did a painting of a smiling Jesus, which is something we don't see every day. And uh, I like to think. And I, and I I haven't seen the series, The Chosen. I've heard many, many good things about The Chosen. I've seen a few clips of that uh, series. And uh, what I liked in what I saw was that Jesus had, had, he had a humor about him. He had a joy about him in portrayed in the series. And I believe that this is accurate. I believe that our Lord was the king of joy. 
And that is not oftentimes uh, shown in, no. in, in the, the scriptures because we know that back then that the, the authors, the writers wrote a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember in the movie that uh, I think it was, anyway, I won't name the movie, but they were saying that back in the Western times, the times of, of, of the West, the old West, when they started taking pictures, pictures were just beginning. Nobody was allowed to smile. It was all passport pictures. No one, no one smiled. So they just stood there and looked at the camera. <laughs> and you think that all these people were so miserable all the time. And I think that uh, from the way uh, the books are written, usually in the scriptures, you would think that people didn't joke around or have silly moments. Or, yeah. uh, But I think that's just silly. It's, it's silly well, to think that because I mean, they were human so, beings, right? Yeah, they had the, joy. And there's so many things that we know about the Lord. We know that, you know, he made it. He made us in his own image Amen. and yeah. we like to joke around a lot so sometimes yeah. we a little too much sometimes, sometimes we joke around together <laughs> about something we're we're trying to like prepare a broadcast and a lot of our topics are serious but sometimes we kind of make jokes of a certain thing or <laughs> you know and, and we're kind of kidding and we're like we could just picture the lord laughing with us yeah. on certain things you know and we're like, well, if we're laughing about certain things, obviously he's laughing about certain things too, right? Yeah, and it's so. happened that that the Lord, uh, once he spoke to me, and the way he spoke to me, he didn't tell a joke, but the way he spoke to me, I could tell there was humor in his tone. And I know our Lord is just full of joy. Uh, it, it, like it, it, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So anything that's the fruit of the spirit comes from the spirit. It is something that he imparts on us. Therefore, it's something that comes from who he is. So joy is one of the, that fruit. And uh, so, so I believe that we have a very uh, somber kind of picture of, of what Jesus was like. So like I said earlier, we're going to talk about four different scriptural leaders uh, to prove that joy was so important and, and joy was a big theme in the Bible. And also that I don't, I, I believe there is no leadership, no real good, lasting, powerful, impactful leadership without joy. Uh, that's, that's what I believe. And, and, and I know that as someone who suffered from depression, I know that, you know, the Lord appoints the man as the head of the house and all that. And I know when I was in these bad seasons of depression, there was no leadership. There was no direction, mm-hmm. and, and and Liz could attest to that. It's like there can the, the two cannot cohabitate. Uh, depression or no joy and leadership cannot be together at the same time in the same room. Yeah. Okay. There's, Let's just put there's it that, that, and there's also you know for those of you that are married or uh, going to get married. Um, you know, life throws all kinds of things at you. You know, there's all kinds of circumstances that happen. And we've noticed that, yeah. you know, um, our sense of humor has really helped us to get through a lot of moments in life That's where <laughs> where we were like, okay, this is not easy. But we kind of like just, you know, at, at one point, you're just like tired of crying about a certain situation that you almost have to like laugh about it. And and oftentimes our sense of humor, like just joking about certain things is what really pulled us through certain things. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It's definitely a good thing. So the first leader I wanted to talk about was Nehemiah. Nehemiah in the Old Testament, as you know, he was working in the king's court and he heard that the wall of Jerusalem was falling apart. He took, upon, took it upon himself 
as a mission to go to Jerusalem, uh, assemble a team and start building back that wall. And he's a tremendous leader. I mean, Nehemiah is probably one of the best leadership books in the Bible. So if you want to read a good leadership account, read the account of the book of Nehemiah. It's not that long. I think it's what maybe 13 or 16 chapters. I may be wrong, but it's not that long. But it's a wonderful uh, story, and it, it's very inspiring. But in chapter 8, uh, Nehemiah gathers the whole people together. Because, you know, when you have a big vision, when you have something, when, when you're undertaking a big thing, a big job, a big vision, and you want to you gather people to follow in your footsteps, to follow you, to, to work on your team, you have to inspire them. So he gathers all the people together. He's got the, 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 the Levites and he's got the teachers, the, the, the Bible teachers, if you will, like not Bible, but uh, back then it was the law. So he's got, he's got all these great people. And from as soon as the sun uh, shows up in the morning, all the way to, to noontime, they read the scriptures to the people out loud. But they don't just read the scriptures out loud. Out loud, They also teach the scriptures as they are reading them so that the people who are listening understand what is being said. And they're doing this to encourage the people. I'm just going to read it to you. It's in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Like I said, sometimes the word of God can be somber. It's very, it's very strict. It's there, there's a uh, a certain atmosphere uh, that that leads to repentance and holiness with the word of God, and it's very serious. But they're they're telling them, don't mourn, don't weep. Nehemiah said, "Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared." This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy. Because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. I think this passage is amazing. Nehemiah understood the power of joy. He wanted the people working with him to be inspired. Let's face it. Look, uh, you've worked on projects. You've worked on, on jobs where... You were doing something inspiring, something that you loved, something that made you happy. You know the difference there is when you're working with joy as opposed to when you, you're you doing the drudgery of a job you're hating or a, you just want to get rid of it. The energy is not the same. The accomplishment is not the same. The result 
is not the same. And mm -hmm. Nehemiah knew that for an endeavor such as building a wall, he needed a joyful people. He needed them to be strong. And he knew that that only comes through joy. So as kingdom leaders, joy is indeed our strength. Our strength is in the joy of the Lord. Uh, so yeah, so like I said, they were in the process of doing a great work and great works demand great strength, great energy, great stamina. So he knew that that could only come if they did it with joy, a joyful heart. So people are, like I said, inspired by leaders who will inspire them, by leaders who are joyful themselves. Nobody wants to follow a lead balloon. Exactly. I mean, if, you know, in any corporation, any business, whether you're part of an MLM, uh, you know, whether you're leading a church, um, nobody wants to follow somebody that is always kind of down on his luck or com complaining or, you know, or always, or, or we're always kind of in a depressed tone, negative. I mean, we're not inspired by that. And we don't, we don't feel like we can trust the person to lead us into the right uh, place. Right. Um, uh, you know, and oftentimes it's difficult because I mean, some pastors really want to be honest with the things that they're living and going through, and they want to share that with their congregation. But at the, at the same time, sometimes, you know, there's a, a thin line to walk where, you know, it's important to still try to be positive, even if something is not going the way it should be. And you have to inform everybody, always try to stay positive in your outlook, because that really builds confidence. And that really helps people to feel confident in mm -hmm. following the leader, as opposed to, um, you know, somebody that's always negative or uh, down on his luck or always, you know, uh, pointing out the, the the negative circumstance and can't see anything that's a blessing in their life. It's very difficult to follow a leader, a leader like that. And it's very also very difficult to be around somebody like that, right? So we don't want to be like that as kingdom citizens, even if our circumstances are, are not always peachy, you know, sometimes something happened or whatnot. And I'm not saying you can't, you know, be honest with your feelings, your, um, you know, to, to friends around you and stuff, or co-workers or whatnot. But it's just important to be mindful of that, you know, that people um, tend to want to follow somebody that seems like they have it together, you know, and that doesn't mean that you're weak if something doesn't go the way it should. It just is the way you take it, right? Mm -hmm. So are you looking at the glass half full? Or are you looking at it always half empty? Because I know that for for me personally, you know, when I have a vision, and when I, I know where I'm going, and it's difficult enough to uh, you know, to always um, keep on moving in that direction, right, for the Lord and doing what we're supposed to be doing. If I surrounded myself with a bunch of people that were Christians, but always down on their luck, always depressed, always, you know, everything is always bad and nothing's ever good. And they have a hard time looking at what's positive. It, it really weighs you down and you tend to not want to hang out with those people as much. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember at the beginning of our marriage, Liz, uh, like I said, I suffered I went from depression, all that. I, I had a, a melancholy about me that was just very negative. And uh, it was something that I had to learn. I had to learn to become a joyful person. I yeah. mean, I had the joy of the Lord. I mean, that's, the joy of the Lord is something the Holy Spirit gives you. 
but you have to maintain it. You have to know mm -hmm. how to keep it alive and growing. And uh, I was not good at that at all. And so Liz reproached me uh, as, a, as a young husband that I was really bad at, at encouraging her in difficult situations. Um, <laughs> he was like... Well, well yeah, I, you're I used right. to joke. Like, I used I was, to joke, but she, she, like, she, used, she would come to me and say, uh, "Are we gonna have enough money this month to pay our bills?" And I know it's really not looking good. I don't think we'll be okay. And she would look at me, and go, <laughs> I like, "Was like, thanks for encouraging me." Really? Is that like that? You're gonna say that? I said, "What? Don't you want the truth?" She said, "No, no, I don't." I was like, "What do you mean?" And I, and I used to joke because. She would come to, to me, there was a tidal wave. Cause let's say there's a tidal wave coming. Like we're in a difficult situation. There's a tidal wave coming. And she'd go like, whoa, Sebastian, there's a tidal wave coming. Are we going to die? And I'd go like, yeah, yeah, we're going to die. Uh, we don't have time. Forget it. Let's just hold hands and wait till it's <laughs> over. <laughs> I was this depressing. You know, like the inspiring leader would say something like, uh, just follow me, Liz, and we'll be just fine. We're going to escape this and we're going to be okay. That's the encouraging leader. He knows what to say. He, he knows what to do. He, he goes and does it. But me, I didn't. I just didn't have that knack, that, that fighting spirit. I think joy also has a fighting spirit about it. When you maintain the joy the Lord gave you, uh, that that you you have to fight to keep that joy. Yeah. Uh, you know, because the devil the will try to rob you from always trying fast. to rob you from the joy. Yeah. And there's some very subtle things you can do. For example, make sure you have enough sunlight. Duh. I mean, don't don't close all the blinds and stay in darkness all day in your in your home. That's just not going to be helpful to maintain your joy. Uh, there's little things you can do to make sure that you don't let the devil steal your joy. Uh, things have to do with your, the Lord gave us a body and our bodies react to light, uh, uh, sufficient water. I mean, the, the basic stuff that, that you're just going to go like, yeah, we have to do that. The basics, right? A lot of people don't even do the basics, right? A lot of people don't even get enough sunlight or, or, or in the winter time here in Canada, we, we need to have multivitamins or something. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here it's gray all the time. I, I know in Texas right now they're going through uh, uh, snowpocalypse. Uh, for them, it's awful. But for us in Canada, it's just like, well, okay, they're, they're kind of lucky. They only have that much snow. You know? <laughs> I, I, but I sympathize with what they're going through because I know that over there, uh, they're not equipped to deal with stuff like that. But uh, the point is we got we to gotta do what we got to do to maintain a, a just normal just maintain your joy, okay? Yeah. What Lisa uh, Lisa the says. The devil doesn't have a chance. It's very true. We're going to talk about Absolutely. that later. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, the praising and That's worshiping person. One of the person. secrets, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely one of the secrets. Second leader I wanted to talk about is James, the Apostle James, who uh, was nicknamed James the Just. He was so he, he had such character and integrity that in the early church they nicknamed him James the Just. So we, we seem to forget about the impact of of James uh, because he didn't write as much as Paul or Peter or John, but James is is way up there. Mm -hmm. So he tells us in James chapter one verses two through four he says, "My brethren, count it all joy when." You get a promotion when life is going good, when your wife is flourishing and your children are happy. No, that's not what he says. When you fall into various trials. Really, James? Okay. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. In other words, be patient with patience, mm -hmm. that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So what James is telling us here is, mm -hmm. and, and that's a well-known uh, phrase, count it all joy. It's yeah. something that we remind ourselves as believers, count it all joy, count it all joy. When we're going through tough times, count it all joy. What are we counting all joy? The trial itself? No, the trial sucks. Let's be honest. <laughs> what you count all joy is what the trial is going to produce. What yeah. God is going to do with that trial that mm -hmm. he didn't send, by the way, that you're just undergoing through. You're going through it, but God's going to take it. He's going to take what that is doing and he's going to squeeze all the good out of it. So the reason we count it all joy, like I said, it's not the trial itself, but because of the fruit that the trial will produce in your life. Yeah. So the fruit is patience, James tells us, perfecting or sanctification, and strength of character. I mean, these things are non-negligible things. They are very mm -hmm. important things for life. For, for the life of a believer, for the yeah. life of a, a leader, a kingdom leader. Yeah. And I just want to say something, you know, you go for, ahead. for those of you that, um, and this is something that happens a lot in families, you always have, you know, those, uh, what John Maxwell calls those negative Nancy's. You always have those people in the family that are very, very negative. And it's like, it's almost like they're under this spirit of, I don't know what it's called. Nancy. It's like spirit of. <laughs> they have a Nancy spirit. Like they just can't see anything positive. And it's like, I, I would say it's like an, ex, it's like fear gone bad. You know, yeah. it's like such an, a, um, a fear mode that they worry constantly. And it's like, they try to bring that upon you, like yes. sort of like a virus, you know? And it's like, well, and, you know, as a believer, you have faith, right? And you and the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when some people see you go through certain circumstances, they're in fear mode for you, right? And <laughs> they so they're like, you. oh, my gosh, like, I don't understand. Like, like, you know, what are you doing? And or, you know, they're and they're like trying to it's like it's almost as if the devil's trying to use that person to kind of make you. Um, get out of that faith mode and then start looking at the real circumstance and get back in the physical. If you get, want, get in the right? natural, get because, in the natural, get yeah, out of the, the supernatural. Because when, when you're in the supernatural and you're, um, you know, building your faith and you're constantly, um, you know, focusing on the promises of the Lord, you're not focused on your circumstance. You're fo focused on what God's going to do. Right. And so that produces that supernatural strength and you remain in that joy because you're excited about what's to come you're mm -hmm. praising god you're worshiping god for the good things that are going to come in your life and so then you go to this you know regular family gathering and i don't know let's say you had lost your job and you're praising god for the job he's going to give you right and you know and and you've like even had a dream about it and you're so excited that this is going to happen and then they're like, oh, my gosh, like, how do you do it? Like, how can you pay your bills? And, yeah. and they're like, bring all these problems. Right. And everything, every negative thought that the devil's like been trying to put in your mind and you've been yeah. trying to re like reject and rebuke. They're like they telling you, you at bring, supper they time. They dump right? it all on you as a, as a truckload. Like, oh. yeah. 
And so that's, that's very difficult, but yeah. you know, we have to, um, we kind of like have to stop that person in a way, because what happens is when we, uh, when you are kind of like polite and you're kind of agreeing with them because you don't want to, you know, sound like you're rejecting their thoughts or whatever. Um, I'm like that. Oftentimes I was like, you know, that positive, um, like, I don't want to offend you kind of person. So I would just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh kind of thing. Oh, well, you know, I kind of like brush things over and, you know, try to patch a conversation. But I didn't realize that I was in agreement with the opposite of what I was praying for. Mm -hmm. So it's very dangerous to do that because you don't want the devil to use anything against you in the courts of heaven and say, you know, she's in agreement she's because in agreement that, she yeah. said this and she said that and she's agreeing with negative Nancy. She doesn't really believe you're going to do this. She doesn't have the faith for it. Wow. You don't want him to use anything against you. So you have to be careful to, you know, say, well, I respect, you know, I respect what you're saying. I can understand why you're, you know, worried about a certain situation, but I really have, you know, faith that God's going to come through for me. And, you know, I'll let you know the outcome when things change in my life and I'll, I'll you know, I'll let you know. Uh, you know, the great things are going to happen, or I'm positive and believing, you know, that great things are coming my way. And I just rather, uh, you know, stay focused on that right now. And, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's the best way to be respected, honestly. And um, for those of you that have family issues like that, you know, where it's kind of harder for you to, um, to put those boundaries, we did a, a really good series when we got married, called boundaries. Um, yeah, I think you can find it on christianbook.com and also probably on Amazon. It's uh, is it Dr. Town Townsend? Townsend Townsend, Dr. Townsend. He, yeah. So, boundaries. Yeah. So that there, was good stuff. It's yeah. a Christian series and it's also written by a Christian psychologist. And so he uses a lot of uh, scriptures and he basically makes a case for, you know, learning how to respect yourself and say, how you feel and say what you mean yeah. uh, without hurting the other person's feelings. But when, when to understand, when is it time for you to respect yourself and your marriage and, and what's normal to how, like, how should I say this? Like, let's say you have a meddling mother-in-law. Everybody wants to please the mother-in-law because you want to, because you want to keep the peace, what are you talking right? About? <laughs> well, they, they basically explain to you, you know, what it takes to have a strong marriage, right? Yeah. So you have to work on the strong marriage and put those healthy boundaries without, you know, anybody getting super offended, but it's important to respect the union that God created. And anyway, so I just wanted to say that for those of you that um, are dealing with things like that, because that could be a definitely a joy killer and uh, can definitely affect your your mindset and take you out of that joy, mo that joy mode. And oftentimes, like when we stay in that realm, oftentimes we're really close to the breakthrough. And that's yes. why the Lord and that's why the Lord wants us to stay there because we stay in this like strong faith, joy, we're, we're anticipating the breakthrough, the breakthrough that's coming for whatever we're praying for. And that's when the devil likes oh, to man. steal the harvest. That's when he yeah. likes to try to, you know, do things and, you know, circumstances or whatever, so that it kills your joy. And then sometimes you even can, you know, not lose your faith, but kind of go like, oh, well, you know, maybe this is a sign that no, 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 you know, yeah. whatever is not going to happen. So you have to be very careful what you're going to say and say, look, you know, this is a circumstance. It doesn't affect what I'm praying for, and you really have to see it separate. Great stuff, Liz. Thanks for sharing all this. Good stuff. Uh, so the third leader that 
talks about uh, <laughs> this is happy <laughs> that talks about joy is the apostle paul obviously he wrote 13 books in the new testament he's going to mention joy at some point right well in romans 14 17 paul says for the kingdom of god is not eating and drinking Mm-hmm. but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he, what I like about Paul is that he practiced what he preached. Uh, the example, one of the mm-hmm. best examples is him and Silas in jail. And Lisa, you mentioned that earlier, the power of praise. And yeah. there's definite power there. Uh, it, it's incredible. That account in Acts 16, 16 verses 22 to 34. I think I'm going to read it because it's so powerful. So there in Philippia, Philippia, Philippian. Yeah, the (laughs) Philippia, Philippia, I think. So the crowd joined in attacking them. So they're, they're under attack because they were preaching the name of Jesus. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. So it's Mm -hmm. starting off. It's off to a great start being beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, so you would think that would be enough for for maybe me to lose my joy. I I think I would maybe have a hard time after that. But not Mm. Paul and Silas, no way. So they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. So they had extra security put upon them. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So the inner prison is basically the, the, the prison inside the prison. So he put them in this, the extra secure prison mm-hmm. and he fastened their feet also with, with the chains. So they're, they're, they're really like they're, they're, locked, they're locked up, man. <laughs> they ain't going nowhere. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Wait, 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 what? Praying, praying and singing hymns to God. Mm. Now, right there, you know, something is abnormal. And that's what I love about the Holy Ghost. It makes us do things supernaturally. He makes us do things that in the natural look completely insane. Like this makes no sense, naturally speaking. For the natural yeah. man, this is insanity. So it's midnight, they're in chains, they were beaten with rods, mm. they were hated by the people they were preaching to, yeah. and Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly, and I love those suddenlies in the Bible, suddenlies and the but gods, <laughs> I, I love those, but and suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. So that's a, that's a pretty big one. That was a pretty big one. So, so the, the, the prison, which was made of, of stones, the foundation, the, the, the cement, all that, it just, it just was broken. So the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened. And everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now that was a little extra. I mean, the fact that the doors were open, you, like if, you, if you're, let's say you're an unbeliever, you're reading the Bible, you're going to go like, well, an earthquake, yeah, it could, it could get the doors unhinged. Yeah, that makes sense. But the chains broken, all of it, all, all the people out of chains, that, that you can see it's the work of God. Yeah. So 
Everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke, I don't know why he was sleeping in all this, <laughs> and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now, you need to understand back in the day, if you were working for the Romans, the, the Roman government, uh, you were on a very tight leash. Um, failure was uh, unacceptable. It was not an option. So when he saw this big chaos break out, basically all the prisoners, all the doors opened and all the prisoners loosed. He was like, well, might as well do it now because I know that I know what's waiting for me when I get judged for this. So Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and he rushed in and trembling with fear. Remember, it's nighttime on top of that. So it's dark. Yeah. So he called for the lights. Man, that was quite an event. Like we, we read it, but we're not always used to see, picturing it properly. So trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Mm. He knew this was no ordinary work no ordinary event he had just witnessed. Yeah. And he knew who these men were. He knew what they were teaching prior to their imprisonment. Mm -hmm. And and he he was like, okay, there's there's something here. There's I need to hear what these guys have to say. Mm -hmm. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Wow. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. That's amazing. Yeah. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced, what is that word joy again? Rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Isn't that amazing? And, and this is a powerful, powerful account. Now, so if they were like, you know, complaining that they were jailed and they were thinking, oh, my gosh, like, how am I going to get out of this? This is impossible. Look at the soldier. I'm chained. There's no way anybody can even free me, you know, and had no faith. If he had looked at the natural. None of this would have happened. But they were, you know, praising, praising God, God singing thinking, hymns. you know, this is this is who we serve and he can do all things. So. We're just going to praise him and see how he delivers us. And it, it's I, amazing. I, I don't even think they were. They were in a, oh, let's see if how he delivers us. I think they were just like genuinely in praise mode. Mm -hmm. They were in praise mode. It's like, we got to praise God in all circumstance. Let's do this. Let's not get down on ourselves. Let's stay strong. Because mm -hmm. they knew the joy of the law. The Lord was their, was their strength. Yeah. So they praised and they praised and he kept praising. It was midnight. Kept praising. And boom, earthquake, chains fall off, the whole shebang. Amazing story. And Paul wrote the epistle to the Philippians, which talks a lot about joy. He wrote that epistle from a jail cell. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Yeah. And, and the joy of the Christian experience is the dominant theme, like I said, running through that book of Philippians. 
The words in Philippians, in the epistle to Philippians, and by the way, that was from, from Acts. That was not from Philippians, the account, but, but it, since it happened in Philippi, I'm sharing about the book of Philippians. So in the epistle to the Philippians, the words joy and rejoice are used 16 times throughout the epistle. And that is considering the epistle was written from a jail cell. That is amazing. So Paul wrote the letter to express his gratitude and his affection for the Philippian church who were his strongest supporters in mm. ministry. And uh, it's a, they call it the joy epistle. I remember Chuck Swindoll wrote a book. Oh, I forget the title. But, it, but he wrote a book. It was based on the whole epistle to the Philippians. And it was really good. It was uh, something about joy. It had, it had joy, yeah. joy in the title. Well, and, you know, when you look at back what he was living, I mean, you know, when he was the trailblazer, the, the you know, the one that was proclaiming this new message of, of the kingdom and everything that the Lord had showed him, he was, you know, a lot of people ha hadn't heard this. So it was really like you either loved it or you hated it. And it was yeah, a lot of controversy. Uh, you know, sometimes he was beaten. Sometimes he was ran out of the city. I mean, it was drastic. He didn't know what to expect. You know, he didn't know how it was going to go, but he did it anyway. And he, he, you know, he did it out of obedience to the Lord. So when he had people actually, you know, on his side that are like, wow, you know, they, they love what he's teaching. Of You know, he's even more joyous. He's so grateful. For, yeah, grateful. It, it fills him with joy. And um, today people are, you know, don't. Well, I mean, you have haters and stuff, but it's not the same kind of reaction. They don't beat you, you with rods. Yeah, usually, they don't beat you because you're they don't like what country. you're saying. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here in the West, I mean, they won't beat you with rods. And in some some communist countries, uh, your life might be in danger if you're a Christian. So, so joy has an extra special meaning for for those people. But but Paul is a great example in Second Corinthians. I forget which chapter. You'll forgive me for that. Uh, he talks about everything he endured physically mm -hmm. for spreading the gospel. Yeah. And, and he goes through it. He, he's basically saying, okay, you're, you're kind of forcing my hand here. I'm just going to say this, and I'm not doing it to boast, mm -hmm. but here's what I endured for the gospel of Christ. And he goes down the list, and it was it astounding. Was, yeah. And you're like, wow, it was humanly impossible. And here's what I mean by that. It took supernatural assistance from the Holy Spirit to make any man endure that and keep going. Yeah. And it's obvious that that's what he had. Mm -hmm. And speaking of great kingdom leaders, uh, the list wouldn't be complete without our very own Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to share with you what Jesus had to say about joy. Because, of course, it's going to seal the deal. It's the most important thing we want to read. It's in John chapter 15. Uh, the first part is uh, John 15, 7 to 11. He said, uh, that was at the Last Supper. So he's, he's, he did this uh, long um, preaching, teaching uh, session with the disciples at the Last Supper. And he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments 
and abide in his love. And here's what he says in verse 11. These things, so everything we just read, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So he's saying to them, he's saying, I'm telling you all these things so that the joy that's in me, my joy, might be found in you as well. Mm-hmm. And that your joy may be full. Now, we read in the next chapter, John 16, verses 23 and 24, the greater extent of that very special joy that Jesus wanted us to have. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, just that verse alone. If that verse doesn't give you joy, I don't know what verse in the Bible will give you joy. Think about the ramifications of that verse alone. A series of books could be written just about that. Let me repeat it. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. No, he didn't say accept this, but don't ask that. He says, whatever you ask. And then 24, that's even... He goes even farther. He says, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, this to me, when I, I got to, I got to confess. When I came in my understanding of the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God means here and now on the earth for believers, what Jesus came to, to teach about the kingdom, how the kingdom of God operates, how prayer operates, how God wants to bless us. When I came into that understanding about our identity in Christ, how we are beloved sons and he wants to bless us and all that. See, before I understood these things, I was a very religious lad. Uh, I, I had a lot of religious religiosity, religious beliefs. But when I understood kingdom identity and all that it means, man, this passage, it blew my mind. Because this passage, Jesus is basically saying that whatever we ask in his name, the Father will do. Why? Simply because he wants our joy to be full. The same way we as as parents, so much We get so much thrill of seeing our children experience joy. Yeah. Uh, We want to bless them. That's why we give them gifts uh, on their birthdays. That's why we we do special events for them. We take them out to good places. We buy them ice cream in the summer. We We give them what? Good things. Why? Because we love to experience seeing joy in our children. Now, if we who are evil, like Jesus says, if we who are evil do this for our children, how much more joy does the Father want to see us experience? Him who is so much above and beyond whatever love we can muster towards our own children, he can do so much more and lavish his own children with so much more than we lavish our kids with. Yeah. So, When you read this, it's so powerful. Jesus 
wants our joy to be full. And part of the kit and caboodle of that is ask whatever you want and the Father will give it to you. Ask whatever you want in my name and the Father will give it to you. He wants to see you joyful. So that is huge. That is huge, Liz. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a very good example. And, you know, um, it just it just makes perfect sense, you know, especially if you're a parent, you can identify to this. You know, we just are so excited to see our children happy and, you know, have them uh, experience all the, the good things in life and uh, all the experiences in life. And, you know, sometimes um, sometimes the Lord will also, you know, um, allow certain things just because it's a it's a time of purification of sanctification and also for us to appreciate the good things that he's about to do right if our lives were always perfect perfect we wouldn't appreciate uh, and have as much joy you know so it, it's like a balance of both worlds and it's not that the lord inflicts anything bad upon us because he's always want us wanted us to be in joy and abundance and and have provision and good things but because we live in this fallen world you know there's so many things that do happen um because you know the devil is is amongst us and and there are certain things that the lord will allow to use as a circumstance to um you know to teach us certain things or to purify us or um to bring us back you know sometimes it's a consequence of choices that we made, you know, that are our decisions, right? And and I look at my children and sometimes it's the same thing with them, you know, sometimes you have to um, let them go through a certain thing to understand and appreciate so that when you do bless them with something, they're really appreciative and they are in, in pure joy about it because they have experienced the opposite, right? Amen. And so now we understand, basically, I want to maybe clarify for the listeners the difference between happiness and joy, because mm -hmm. it's very, it's something that's a lot, very, very uh, confusing for a lot of people. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is how you feel when you just bought a new car. Uh, happiness is, 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 you know, when you're going out with friends uh, to, to see a movie, you're happy. It's fleeting. It's temporary. Joy yeah. Joy is abiding. Mm -hmm. See, joy is given to you by the Lord. And so therefore, and, here, and I'm going to say something that might offend some people, but here's, here's what I believe. I believe that joy is only reserved for believers. Happiness is what unbelievers seek after. Yeah. Joy, the joy of the Lord is given to believers only that is something that only believers experience and is something that takes permanent residency in you through the holy spirit so that's the different the main difference between happiness and joy yeah and i think you know um a lot of unbelievers have seen that and especially in our yeah. lives um you know during this whole covid experience uh which lasted a really long time um, it's still going. Yeah, there were certain things that happened in our lives where the Lord really had um, put things forth before it even happened and we were obedient and we followed his direction. And so during that whole COVID period, when it first started, where everybody was um, kind of like, you know, 
blown away by it and you know their finances were hit and all kinds of things were happening um they were finding it very difficult we were in joy mode mm -hmm. we were happy we were blessed we were uh you know praising god and uh and that showed and so even our members of our family that are not saved were like whoa like how come you're taking this this way like they they saw it but they didn't understand it you know they saw that you know, we were in joy mode and they, they, they just didn't they, get they it. Didn't, they didn't ask us like Because everybody asked. else around us was in fear mode, right? right? They, didn't, they didn't go like, uh, what must I do to be saved? Unfortunately, <laughs> they didn't do that. But <laughs> like with Paul, right? And the, the, he was so full of joy. But that's going to happen a lot, right? It is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that, um, you know, the devil is going to throw at the, this world and, and uh, believers and non-believers are going to, be living it but our outcome the way we go through it is different because we have the lord because he's our strength and he's our joy and that's um that's something that we need to share more with unbelievers to to sh to explain to them that they can have the same thing when they're they're saved as well because the, the lord really does bless us with that and i know for a fact you know i went through uh very difficult things and um the, the Lord was really my strength and my joy. And, and I looked at my circumstance and, and, you know, a lot of people could have seen this as like, whoa, you know, like, how is she even smiling? Like, how is she going through this with a smile on her face? And it, we, we would never even guess, you know, uh, that this was happening and this and that because I had the joy of the Lord because the Lord was my strength. And so he makes, you know, things that are difficult that we need to go through sometimes um, you know, come out in a, a completely different way. And um, it, you know, when you, you hear a lot about this, like, you know, that the Lord is always holding your hand and he's helping you through the storm. Well, that's part of the process. That's one of the, the ways that he's helping you through the storm is by giving you that, that joy in those moments where you should be crying, but you're not because mm -hmm. you're happy. And you know that he's, he's holding your hand and that he's got your, your best and that he's making a way and that great things are going to come forth. And, and you're really believing that. And mm -hmm. that really makes a big difference. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're talking about, uh, this is a kingdom leadership series. And uh, Jesus, when he spoke, when, when the disciples were having the argument, right? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus gave them this expose. He says, look, guys, you're not going to do things like the world are do, is, is doing things. Yeah. Among you is going to be different, mm -hmm. like way different. Now, he who is going to be great among you is going to be the servant of all. Uh, so Jesus was teaching a different way of doing things, like a completely different, counterintuitive, I guess you could yeah. call it. And uh, it's funny because I saw uh, uh, an acrostic with joy, so J-O-Y, that said, Joy is Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. That spells joy in the kingdom of heaven. And that is so good yeah. because this is what you want to be doing as your life mission. Whatever the Lord has called you to do, whatever your assignment is, you should always keep Jesus first. Keep your eyes on Christ the whole time. Mm -hmm. Others, second, in other words, you're there to serve, serve your gift to the best of your ability as much as you possibly can. And then yourself, then think of yourself. 
And that's that's the kingdom mandate. That's the leadership kingdom mandate. And I've said it in the other episodes, and I'm going to repeat it again tonight because I think I really want this to sink in. If you are a kingdom citizen, and I believe you are because you're, you're watching this right now, if you're a kingdom citizen, there is a leadership call on your life. There is a leadership call on your life. Believe it or not, it's there. Whether you believe it or not, whether you embrace it or not, it's there. Why? Just because you're a child of the king. Just because you're a kingdom citizen, all of that, all of that entails that you are a leader. Now, the decision to walk as a leader or not, that's up to you. But you have the mantle. God gave it to you as a kingdom citizen. You have the mantle of a leader. Now, I highly recommend if you are a kingdom citizen, you are born again, you are a child of the king, that you learn the ropes of leadership and you apply leadership in, in your everything you do in, as in your in your family setting, as a, as a spouse, as a mother, as a father, with your friends, you are to shine in a way that is going to attract other people to this kingdom. They're going to be like, whoa, this, this person's special. They're different. Yeah. It's not just, it's, it's not just uh, they have something that I want. They, they, they approach things differently. Their mindset is strong. Their character is exemplary. I want what they got. And I'm going to ask them the question. You want people to come and ask you the question to which Jesus is the answer. Yeah. And you know, that reminds me of uh, a lot of moments in my life where it wasn't so uh, easy, you know, whether my mom, uh, when I was younger, my mom had cancer and it was very difficult on us. And um, you know, there were a lot of times where you don't feel like doing a certain thing, but you you want to do that. Um, you know, you know, you're called to be a servant leader and you're you're doing acts of service to help others around you. And, you know, next thing you know, you're in a mode of joy because the person that you're helping or the person that um, that you're you're doing these acts of service towards is so happy and, um, you know, there's joy there. So think about it that way as well. You know, if, it, if there's sometimes, you know, um, circumstances where you, you have, you have no choice to, you can't, there's nothing you can do. You can just wait on the Lord. You've prayed, you've done everything you needed to do and you don't want to stay home and kind of mope or, or look at your circumstance. Well, you can put yourself in a, a rea like an active mode where you say, instead of just sitting and doing nothing and looking at my circumstance, what can I do to make somebody else's life easier today? Or what can I do to make someone else happy? Can I go visit somebody, you know, that that's lonely or, um, you know, maybe do a certain thing, help out at a school or something. And next thing you know, you know, by doing these acts of service, by using your 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 abilities and strengths and gifts that the Lord has given you. Next thing you know, you're putting smiles on people's faces and you're making a difference and you're in joy mode. All yeah. of a sudden you see that, you know, that that is making a difference and it's bringing you joy and you're going to replay those things in your mind. So um, try to try to think of it that way. You know, so I, I've known a lot of people that have done that, that have said, you know, I'm not going to stay home and mope and I'm just going to go and, 
do this and bless somebody else and do that or be more implicated in my church. And they found themselves, you know, getting through these hard circumstances because they were, uh, it got, the Lord gave them joy by doing these things. And, and it's great that you mentioned that because human beings, the way God made us, mm -hmm. we are hardwired to experience joy when helping others. Yeah. So Simon Sinek explained it so well. He said that, that when you're doing acts of service or of kindness towards other people, your brain secretes a certain chemical that gives you happiness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so it actually, God actually hardwired us to yep. experience joy when serving and helping other people. And that, Think and, about that. And that I've seen many, many times um, in entrepreneurs uh, and leaders that are not saved that have figured this out for themselves. They, they apply it better than most Christians. Oh well, yeah, a lot of them <laughs> they, they are, understand are the principle better. Big time philanthropists because they have to find a purpose and because they haven't found the Lord, because they don't have that joy and that peace, they have to find another way to find a purpose and to give them some some bit of happiness. Yeah. So and they teach of, it. They teach those things as a as a principle to, to yeah. serve others and, and to 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 out to out, how do they say this? Um, not outperform out um you know when you over deliver over deliver and and give more and and mm -hmm. serve and serve and, and serve some more and so you know what better example should christians be like exactly you know if philanthropists and other people that are not saved are have caught on to this that it's important to do and that you know they call it the universe blesses them back well you know what better way that we can do it as a, a believer? We have all the ingredients to succeed. We have Absolutely. all the ingredients to be happy and to serve people. We have the, you know, the winning ingredients because we know what's going to make them happy. We know about heaven and we know about salvation. And so there's so many things that we can do, even if we don't have a big budget or big finances, you can still give your time. You can still do little things that can help and bless somebody. So I think that's really important to to cultivate and to keep your joy. Amen to that. Well, I think we've reached the end of this episode on joy, on the kingdom leadership, the subject of joy. But before we go this week, uh, I just wanted to say a, a word. I've had many mentors in my life, okay? Uh, they're mostly through books or YouTube videos. But one of those mentors uh, was John Maxwell. John Maxwell's a believer. He started out as a pastor and, and became a leadership expert, a worldwide renowned leadership expert. And uh, what I really appreciated about John is not only the principles that he taught in his books and seminars and, and teachings, but he was always, I always pictured him as a man of great joy. I always saw him, whenever he, he spoke or at events, or, I understood that this guy, understands that the joy of the Lord is our strength. He doesn't preach it necessarily, but he understands it and he lives it. And anybody who's seen him uh, talk at one of his seminars know this for a fact that John Maxwell is a joyful man. He, I, I mean, it's like he's naturally joyful. Yeah. Right, Liz? And he has a good sense of humor. He has a great sense of humor. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I, I remember that John Maxwell did it all, a series of, there's hundreds of these tiny clips. They're like about two minutes long. It's called Minute with Maxwell. And he talks about one word, just one. 
And I was like, oh, I would like to see what he has to say about joy. And what better guy to, to, than, than to go see what one of the top leadership experts in the world, says we're doing the kingdom leadership, right, has to say about the subject we're talking about tonight, joy. So this week we're going to leave you with Minute with Maxwell on the subject of joy. But before we do that, Liz, why don't you tell our listeners how they can hook up with our broadcast, our podcast, our content, our my books, uh, my future books. Yeah, so just go to thrivingonpurpose.com. You can go to our website. You can search for us on Facebook, Thriving on Purpose. We're on YouTube. You can subscribe there to get all our future broadcasts, Thriving on Purpose. And when you go to our website, we have some free re resources that you can sign up for. Um, and uh, you can also sign up for our email list where we send out the broadcasts every week so that you don't miss anything. You get them straight in your email. Um, we do one on Monday nights. Sebastian does a, a shorter one on Monday nights, and we do one together every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to go and check that out, and we'll just play the, the clip. Absolutely. So have a great week. Be blessed. And thrive on. See you next time. One of the favorite words of mine in the English language is joy. Hi, John Maxwell here. Welcome to Minute with Maxwell. In fact, I've often thought that, you know, if, if I could go back, you know, I, I was privileged to have one daughter. I've often thought, man, I, I think, I think joy would be a great name for a girl. And then I've often thought, well, what happens if you have a daughter and she's not joyful? I mean, then you've got to every day live up against that name. You know, here's Miss Melancholy over there, kind of with a frown on her face, and she's supposed to be joy. Here's what I do know. What I know is that we all need a name that will lift us up, that will challenge us. We need to have a name above ourselves. Something that will cause us to uh, put forth a little bit more effort, a little bit more energy to kind of live up to the name that we're given. Well, when I think of joy, I think of a person I want to be around. They're attractive. They're like a magnet. They refresh you. They're almost like an oasis with all the issues of life. It's fun to get around joy. By the way, you don't have to wait to be named joy to have it. In fact, most of us, that's not our name. Let's make it our life. I'm glad you're with me today on Met with Maxwell. Mm -hmm.